Hello, podcasters. This is Mr. Stroud's history class. And who am I? Well, I'm Mr. Stroud, David Stroud, recent teacher at Kilgore College. And the reason for this particular podcast is because when Kilgore College decided I was no longer desired, I didn't want to stop teaching. And so while I was reading the history books, my daughter suggested that someone had told her, want a podcast? And I said, what is a podcast? Well, after learning what a podcast is, that's what I'm doing. And this is going to be done like I did in my classes. And some of you podcasters out there, I hope, are my former students. And if you are, two things. I am delighted that you have done podcasting with Mr. Stroud. And you will hear some things that are going to be deja vu because I told them to you in class. But this is going to be a little bit different than the classes. It's going to basically be the same lectures that I did in class that kept you all on the edge of your seats. But we're going to add some other things too. Some of the topics I can go into in a little bit more detail. Tell you a little bit more about them. Because I'm not worried about finishing 1301, the first part of history, by the time of finals, 1302. And so some topics like the Vietnam War, I'm going to go into more than I did in class. Also, because what I taught there, most recently, was U.S. History 1301. And because all of colleges seem to have different numbers for this, at Kilgore College, 1301 was from the beginning of U.S. History through Reconstruction. 1302, the Gilded Age, 1877, through modern times to the present. And the reason I'm hesitating like that is because whoever comes up with this stuff does not teach history. They just put down these things. For example, 1301 from beginning through 1877, that's only about 38,000 years. And then 1302 would be what? 100 years. So no wonder people have problems with math. What we're going to do is this. We're going to do 1301, 1302, and one I taught for many years, Texas history. Because a lot of people living in Texas, and dare I say the majority of them, don't really know a whole lot about Texas history. I've heard students trying to decide who actually won the Battle of the Alamo. So, this is going to be a course on 1301, 1302, and Texas history, all mixed in together in chronological order that I want to teach it. Because, after all, whose class is this? This is Mr. Stroud's history class. But once we get started, if I'm going to do Texas history, for example... I would always start with the Texas Indians, and then we would go to the filibusters, and that does not mean reading out of a telephone book, and then we would get up into the Texas Revolution. We may not do all of that at one time, but if I do Texas Indians, I would do them, then I may go to a topic in 1302, one that I know is number one on all your list, the Spanish-American War, and I know you are quite tired from reenacting the Rough Riders in 1998. And then we might switch over and do the Second World War in the Pacific Theater. But we're going to do each one of those in chronological order of World War II, the Pacific Theater. Now, in class, when I was still there, and any podcasters that are former students know, 
that I would pass out a lecture guide. And the lecture guide was what I would be talking about. And at that time, when it was time for them to study for a test, rather than asking me what do we need to know, I said it's right there in front of you, it's the lecture guide, and what you need to know is what those things are and why they are important and what did I tell you about them. So if you would like to have one of those, then all you need to do is email me at, are you ready? You want to jot it down? Jarhead. Now before I continue, that is a derogatory term of a U.S. Marine, which I was during the Vietnam War. But Jarhead is one that no one else had taken, so that's Jarhead. So this would be my email address. Jarhead, J-A-R-H-E-A-D, then my initials, T, V, as in victory, S, at gmail.com. And so if you'd like a lecture guide, which I'm going to be using and I'm going to be talking about them, and again, the podcasters that are former students know exactly what I'm talking about, then you can do that. Then we went through with a topic. For example, 1302, we started with the progressive, excuse me, with the Spanish-American War and went through the First World War. Now, if you would like to see how you would do on a test, again, you can email me. And I will send you a test. Now, in class, I did multiple choice because I had five classes, roughly about 20 students, let's say, for each class. And multiple choice was a little bit longer to make out, but quicker for me to grade and get the results back to the students. Now, I never did use a test that was computer generated. I did not lecture from the textbook. And so I would tell my students that when you see that there is a question without the correct answer, or in one case, a question that had no possible answers, that was just to let them know that those were all tests that I did myself. They are not computer generated. If you see terms and names that are misspelled, again, I do that to let you know that is my test. So if you would like to know how you did, how much you've learned, how would you do on a test, you can email me. And then I'll figure out a way to give you the results or something like that. If that's what you want to do, that is completely optional. And so what we're going to do in my history class is history 1301, 1302, and Texas history. That's what we're going to do. However, as I'm lecturing on this stuff, I will be mentioning, and I don't know why I do this, except to show that learning is continuous. When I was told that I wasn't leading at Kilgore College any longer, I said I will never read another history book. Never. People, that's like keeping water away from someone. I have been reading history books. And actually, those podcasters there that had me in class, I now listen to them, audio books. I've listened to more than 800 of them. How do I know? I've got a list and I've checked it twice. And the reason I did that was because many years ago, when it was time for teachers to self-evaluate themselves and then turn it into the department head, one of the questions was, write down the books you read this year, the past year. Well, did I read that one this year or was that at the end of last year? So I got on my computer and I just put reading. 
and I started with number one. It was 2002. And the last one I entered, the last one I did, which was about two days ago from this podcast, was one on Joan of Arc. It's the third one I read on Joan of Arc, and it's number 808. So, I'm not going to, I will tell you about these books for several reasons. One, you're always learning. I had a real good friend, and we talked history all the time. And he would often say, how many books do you need on George Washington? How many books do you need on Civil War? And my answer is, as many as you can get. Because I have read many books on Washington, on Lincoln, on Franklin, Delano, Roosevelt, and other topics, but especially those three. And every single book, I learned something that the other books did not tell. So, as I lecture, just almost subconsciously, I will tell you what book it was. And the reason, again, is to let you know that I do read continuously, that you do learn from this. But also, as an eighth grader once asked me all the time, how do you know you weren't there? This is where I get my information from. So if you want to read, and I will only suggest great books that are well-written and good, historical and interesting, I want to throw that out. And I do that almost subconsciously. I just do that. Then from time to time, I will let you listen to about three minutes of a great book that I'm referring to in class. And the way you do that, and I'll tell you again when we get to a book that I want you to listen to for a few minutes. And of course, because this is podcasting, there's absolutely no way I know that if you did it. But if you do do it, you might be able to answer correctly the one or two questions I ask about that book on the test if you choose to do that. I'll give you the name of the book. You're going to go to Amazon.com. Books. Then I'll give you the name of the book. Then i tell you to go to that book. And then it's going to have listen. And you punch listen. And you're going to listen to about five minutes of a great history book. And we're going to be doing that. Another thing. I'm going to be mentioning books. That you can go to another website, booktv.org. And I tell you the book, and you punch that in the search column, and what you're going to get, are you ready for this? You're going to be in there, and you're going to listen to the author of that book for about 45 minutes tell you about that book. And then you're going to listen to the questions that the audience ask him. And one of the things I think you're going to find, those people know their stuff. And not only do they know the stuff in that book, they know stuff that's in that surrounding area and let you listen to what's called a book review of some of these great books. So I'm going to let you do that. And so that's going to be a little bit different in that I won't be able to see if you're doing it, but I hope that you do. I really do. And so that's the way the class is going to be. Chronological and the chronological order that I choose. So, what are some of the topics, just for the heck of it? Well, in 1301, in 1301, since it started at the beginning, the beginning was about 38,000 years ago with a group of people called, by historians and archaeologists, Paleo-Americans, P-A-L-E-O. 
because they came to America during the Ice Age, the Ice Age, Pleistocene period. Now, since I mentioned that, I don't know if you've got pet peeves. I've got a few pet peeves. And one is, and I hear this all the time, especially by politicians running for office. Unless you're a Native American, you are an immigrant. Now, the way I read that in my mind is, they're the only people that never came from somewhere else. And that is, and I'm going to give you a term that you may never have heard, that is B.S. That stands for Bachelor of Science. Every person that has an ancestor, they all came from somewhere else. When the Americas were created, when they were there, there were no people until about 38,000 years ago and the first Americans came and they were the Paleo-Americans. And then a little bit about the Indians, the Vikings, a little bit about the Vikings and Columbus, Columbus. Today is October the 6th. On October the 12th, that's Columbus Day. We celebrate Columbus Day. And on Facebook, I'm already seeing, I demand they stop celebrating Columbus Day. We got to stop celebrating Columbus Day. Why? Well, my gosh, look what happened to the Native Americans. Do you know what he did to the Indians? Do you know what he did? The people who are doing that are in America, and they're not leaving people. What did it do, Columbus? And you would know, you probably already do, he was not the one that discovered America, depending on how you define discovered. But what he did do, he changed the history of the world, people. He changed the history of the world. And all of those there before him did not do that. We're going to do Columbus, and we're going to do conquistadors, the conquistadors. And in class, I would tell them, there are people that are mean, but they're not tough. There are people that are tough, but they're not mean. And there are some who are tough and mean, and you call them conquistador. I do not believe you can find any group of fighters, men, that were tougher and meaner than the conquistadors. So I will tell you a little bit about that, about Jamestown, about that, then the American Revolution. Then from there, we're going to do the Constitutional Convention and all of that. So that's going to be 1301 and get up through the Civil War and maybe Reconstruction if I don't do that in 1302. 1302, we're going to start with the Spanish-American War. And I'm going to go through each one of these topics. We're going to go with Spanish-American War through the First World War. And then the Roaring Twenties and the Great Depression. And then the Second World War, including the rise of Adolf Hitler. And through the end of the Second World War in 1945. And then the period of the 1950s and the election of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And then the Vietnam War, and that would be that. In Texas history, 
want to do the Indians of Texas. There were seven tribes, but we probably won't do all of them, but we'll do at least five of the tribes. And then we'll do a few of the conquistadors that were in Texas. And then we're going to do the filibusters, and that's not mean, that does not mean reading from a telephone book in the U.S. Senate. And I would sell my students, no filibusters, 1800 to 1821, no Texas Revolution. And then the Texas Revolution, and then that would probably be it. In all the years I taught Texas history, I never really got past the Texas Revolution. So that's what I plan for Mr. Stroud's history class on podcast now. Another thing, on the first day of class, whether it be 1301, 1302, or Texas history, I would start it giving them some extra credit. And if you want to do this, you can do it for 10 extra credit on your test. But the reason I did it was this. This is the Marine Corps from 64, 1964, 1968. I didn't go to college until I got out of the Corps and I was not ready for college. There I was, from being a drill instructor at Paris Island. 10 days later, I was a freshman at Stephen F. Austin State University, actually State College at the time. I was about as prepared to college as nobody. They had me take a test that I did not take in high school called the SAT or something like that. And I entered on something that I hope none of you ever get familiar with. That's called scholastic probation, which meant I shouldn't be there. But they're going to give me one chance, one semester. And if I could make a C average, then they'd let me come back. People, I studied. I made my C average. I went back. I thought I was a walking Einstein. And then I got off of the C average back on scholastic probation. After about a year and a half of this, I decided there had to be some way that I could start passing with C averages and then eventually graduate. I came up with a method of studying. Now, you're going to hear me say this several times. I'm not making this up. I'm not just telling you this. I came up with a method of me studying that I never made less than a B again in any class, undergraduate or graduate school, in any subject. I would say any subject because there may be one or two, maybe you can't, but I don't know. And so I would tell my students, especially those that were having trouble, I'd tell them what I did. They didn't do it. Well, there's an old saying, how do you know if you don't try it? So to get them to try, I offer them extra credit. Three points. Three points. Extra credit. Three points. Three points? That's not many. But I tell you what, when you get your test back if you're a student, you want those three points added to the grade or not? That did it. But the secret was this. By doing what I told them to do to get those three points, they're actually going to make higher on the test than those three points. And I had students telling me over and over and over, it does. One student I remember particularly made a 67 on the first test, did what I'm going to tell you, and made a 98 on the second one. 
I asked students from time to time, does it really help? And they said yes, because if it didn't, I'd come up with another way to get those three points. And so, with this podcast for fun to take the test or for something that you're in school with right now for, I want to tell you what that is. Tell you what I did. And before I do that, there was another lady who's the vice president of the bank in my town, and she was a former student of mine. And I went out there to see her about something. And she just mentioned that her daughter was having trouble in this advanced history class. So I told her what I'm going to tell you. She wrote it down. And she thought it was going to work great. So what I'm going to do is tell you this. And it's up to you. First thing, since this isn't a real class, you don't want to take notes, you may want to take notes. If you're in a real class, you should take notes. So I'm going to pretend this is a real class, that you're sitting there in front of me. This is the way to do it. This is what I did. First off, get off of the back row and get to the front. I know there may be only five desks on the front row, but get to be in one of those five. If you can't get there, get on the second one. When teachers say that the grades are first row A, second row B's, third row C, and you get the picture, that's not a joke, people. Get to the front, or as close to the front as possible. And what that does is it lets the teacher know, and you know, I'm going to be into this. It's harder for a person on the front row to try to write notes to someone else if that teacher is right there in front of them. And it makes you pay attention a lot better. So you get your notebook out. Now this, when I did it, I took notes in a pen. But those who say, say to actually write notes with a pencil. A pencil. I don't know why, something about the brains. In taking notes, they say write down what's important. I don't know about what teachers you have, but I learned that what is important is what's on the test. So when I was taking notes, I wrote down everything that I could. And then I would tell my students, you're not applying to be a secretary. If I could write something down that would help me remember that particular subject, that particular person, I did it. Then about at least a week before the class test, I would type those notes up type them up on your computer. And what that does is three or four things. One, it gets rid of all the doodling. And the importance of that is this. When I had students that did not do well on a test, they said, I don't know why I didn't. I studied. I studied for two hours. And so I'd say, how did you study? Oh, he or she would say, I sat there on the couch with the television on, and I read my notes back and forth for two hours, and you can open my notes to any page, and I can tell you what is on that page, and they're not lying. So why do they not do well on the test? Because on every one of those pages is some little doodle, some silly little thing. Maybe that day they didn't have the blue ink pen, so they had to write in purple. Maybe that day they decided to write the date. Those are triggers. So when that student would see that trigger, that little doodle on that page, 
that person was convinced they knew all the information and they didn't. On the test, there are no triggers. So it removes the triggers. You review the material. You put it in the format that you're going to see it on the test and you condense your notes. You do all of that just by typing the notes up. Then, this is the part the students didn't do. Only a few of them. But this is really the secret of bringing that grade up. If you were to have the same test five times, same test, same everything, when do you think you'd do the best? Students agree, last one, fifth test, make 100. Which one are you going to do the worst on? The first one. So why let the first one be the one that counts? Self-test. Give yourself a test so many times that you know that material inside out. And the way I did it, I would divide it up. Take, by looking at the notes, let's say the first three pages. I look at there, if those are people, or uh, like what people we could have on there like uh, Cortez, Columbus, Pizarro, Zavaca, and you write out there like a who these people were and what they were important for. And then once you got them down and knew all of them, just these first two pages, first three pages, turn it around. Turn it around. Who defeated the Inca? Pizarro. Who is the father of New France? Champlain. So once you've done it back and forth that way and you know it inside out, back and forth, then you go to the next. But don't forget the ones you just did. And you do that all the way down. So by the time the test comes, you've taken that test about 10 times. And when I did that, I would go into class and I could not wait to see what that professor is going to ask me that I did not ask myself. And I will promise you, I brought my grade point average up and I never made less than a B in a class again. And so, if you're in class and you may want to try to bring your GPA up, give that a try. Give that a try. Now, that's an overview. That's generally what I would talk about the first day of class. I can't think of anything else. I hope you find this class interesting. Hope you return to more podcasting. And I am delighted that you're podcasting with Mr. Stroud in his history class. See you next time.